Good morning, and it's time for conversation here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon, and a reasonably cool but also reasonably humid WIP day it promises to be. So matter, no, no matter where you go, take 94 WIP with you. Always good conversation, no matter what the temperature, no matter what the humidity. When we come back in just a bit, we're going to be talking with New York Times bestselling author, newspaper columnist, TV news pundit, and a whole lot more, Ellis Hendikan. Ellis is an expert on all things media, and we're going to be talking about what's been going on in television lately between Roseanne, Samantha B, and what's the future. All this and more coming up here on 94WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. More in just a bit. And we're back. It's conversation. My name's Peter Solomon, and you're on 94WIPL Sports Radio. I'm pleased to welcome Ellis Hinnigan. Ellis, I think that's his last name. Yeah. Ellis um, is an ex- expert on television, newspaper columnist, Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize writer, and a whole lot more. Good morning, Ellis. Good morning, Ellis. Uh, hey, how are you, Peter? I'm fine. It's been said, I think it was Charles Dickens, the best of times, the worst of times. It seems like that's the case in television, doesn't it? Well, yes, and, and you know, the media more broadly, right? The good news is that there's a huge amount of stuff going on. The bad news is that it's splintered all over the place, and uh, a lot of it, a lot of it is, is awful. <laughs> How about that? I like it. I like it indeed. So let's start with the two most obvious stories. Roseanne Barr. Okay, yeah. Self-destruct, isn't it? Or is it? Well, it's fascinating, right? I mean, the bottom line is I think the woman has a death wish, right? I mean, listen, listen, she's been in the wilderness for, what is it, 20 years, right? I mean, she's been kind of bouncing around, nothing remotely like her period where her show was on originally, and she was a... You know, a huge star. She's sort of been living off the fumes of that all this time. Uh, she's bounced around politically. She said a bunch of wacky stuff. But, you know, she finally had her moment again. The Trump era arrived. She was able to be presented as kind of the, you know, the voice of Trump, America. And then she she goes on the Twitter machine and puts out this, you know, scurrilous, just, I mean, indefensible stuff. You can't have a show on network television and call black people apes. You know, you just can't do it. And I, you know, we can argue about whether the society is. I mean, I, I, you can't do it. And anyway, even even if you believe, and I don't, but even if you believe that you should be able to do it, you can't do it. So, what was she thinking? Well, her ex-husband Tom Arnold suggests she wanted to be canceled. Yeah, that's something like that. He he knows her certainly a lot better than I do. Yes, there is there is something there because listen, if you had struggled twenty years with something, the minute you got it, you know you might blow it, but boy, you sure wouldn't blow it uh, in such an obvious and stupid way. <laughs> All right, um, will she ever come back? I mean, America loves to come back. Yeah, will she, will she ever true, get hers? Probably. But how long is it going to take? A long time, and it'll never be, maybe not back to here. Um, you know, listen, there is an audience for this. I mean, you know, it's hard to talk about this topic without getting into some of the stuff the president said, right? Her 
strong booster, the man who she's identified with uh, at the moment. Um, you know, he said a lot of stuff. He got through it. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't count her out forever. Uh, but it is, it, it's, it's the worst thing you can say. I mean, it's the, and it's, it's worse than crude sexual stuff. It's worse than just, you know, reckless, crazy, saying things that aren't basically true. You know, because of the history in this country, because of the raw feelings still, you know, that kind of horrible, raw, racial commentary is the most damaging thing you can say. Okay, but as you point out, what she done that the president hasn't done, and we still put the president on television. That's true. That's true. He has an ability um, to get away with stuff that nobody else could. I, you know, I mean, the list is long, right, of things that, you know, I mean, it's daily, right, maybe every by the hour. I mean, just saying stuff that's not true, um, attacking, you know, b- beloved American heroes and institutions, um, you know, being uh, uh, racist and, and, and saying other things that are, you know, but I really just indefensible. Um, yeah, he's, it's it's a it's it's fair point. Um, people talk about a double standard. Boy, that's the biggest double standard of all. Okay, um, but she threw a lot of people out of work. That's yeah, even more no, indefensible. No, it's right. no, it's 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 right. When you are you know you're you're a big person, a lot of people depended on you. You know, and. Uh, you know, it's um, it has consequences. It's when people do stuff. You know, I, I was I was talking recently about someone who's um, someone who's going to prison, and you know, you think, well, this person did something they probably shouldn't have done, and they got uh, caught, and they're paying the consequences. And but you know, but like you know, what about their kids? And you know, I mean, listen, stuff we do has consequences. Welcome to real life. Mm. Uh, okay. Now, they're talking, though, about a reboot of the concept, but instead of focusing on Roseanne, focusing on Sarah Gilbert. Yeah. You think that's going to happen? Um, I, you know, it's interesting. It, it might. It might even work. Um, you know, there is a problem. You'll have to deal with, if you're going to do that, I'm just thinking as a writer, right? And writers, you know, part of what we do is try and, you know, solve problems, right? You know, it's, as a writer, it's the art of the imperfect, right? You never have everything you need, right? You don't have all, uh, you know, the history. You're, you're writing about something you don't know enough about. Your deadline is too close. You don't have enough room, right? That's what that's what writers do, right, is, is operate in imperfect environments and still try to tell a great story that people want to read or know or hear. And so, you know, these are some really good writers, and maybe they'll be able to get a way to do it. You've got to deal with the fact, right, that everybody who's looking at that show is thinking, hey, look, Roseanne's not there. And that's a problem. So you've got to find some way to turn that into something that's not a problem. You know, so, so you've got to somehow work that into the storyline. You know, Maybe the best way to do it would be to play off of what really happened. And I, I don't know if this is what they're doing, but, but if you put me in the writer's room, this is where my mind would go. So you, 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 you literally write into the plot line that somehow the Roseanne character, um, you know, tweeted something stupid and indefensible, and she's gotten banished somehow, and 
and you know the rest of them are going on and trying to figure out what it means and dealing with it and you know i guess it could work i mean there are a lot of talented people there so many of the cast though it seems there was one of two reactions either silence or the proverbial throwing roseanne under the bus does that surprise you well, no. I, I mean, it's an uncomfortable thing for them, right? I mean, they don't like what she said, right? That's part of it. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to think, hey, that's what people are going to think that I think. Um, they want to keep their jobs, I mean, which is understandable. Um, and plus, some of them, I'm sure, feel very grateful to her because she gave them an opportunity. So it's a, I mean, it's a, it's a, it, it's a hard thing. You know, I'm sure you've had friends. I know I have. You know, who do something that, you know, you, you don't approve of. You know, you don't think it's the right thing to do. What do you do? You know, I mean, it's funny. I tend to be loyal in that kind of a setting, I guess. Maybe too loyal. You know, sort of, sort of say, well, that guy's my friend. You know, I know he shouldn't have done that. Or, um, you know, I, I I don't know. It's it's a it's a it's a hard thing. I'm I'm probably more on the. You don't want to come out and say, yeah, Roseanne, that's great. You know, it's okay, it's fine. You know, you can't really say that. But you know, I do tend to kind of. I don't know. I have that kind of maybe notion of you know, like like hey, that's my friend, and I I don't know. I'm not even sure that's right, but I'm I'm just giving you my reaction. Okay, switch gears. Another controversy, Samantha B. Okay. What do you think about what she did? I mean, I don't like it really. Um, a couple of reasons. I, it's on a slightly different scale. I mean, she's not a figure nearly as large as uh, as Roseanne. Luckily for her, she did it in a you know in a sort of a more tolerant venue. As I said earlier, sex is not quite the third rail. You know, crude, it's not really sex, but, you know, vulgar, vulgar sexual references aren't quite the same thing as explicit racism. But um, it's a threat to her, you know. I mean, listen, she's the star of a television show, a television show owned by a big, big nervous corporation. And it's not a good career move. You know, to put that at risk over one stupid, vulgar joke. I mean, it's not that great a joke, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say it, but you'll, you'll, you'll listen to no, you know, it's just used a bad word to describe Ivanka Trump, a uh, body part, bad mm-hmm. word, body part, but to describe the daughter of the president. Uh, it's designed strictly to shock. I mean, it's, you know, it, uh, you know, it's, 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 ugly and it's certainly stupid um i don't know i guess that's what i think but at the same time unlike roseanne miss b did it in the context of her show and her network and her network which taped the show and aired the show knowing full well what was on the tape yeah it's it's different in that way i, I mean i don't draw such a distinction between what a public figure says you know, to millions of Twitter followers and what they say to millions of people who are listening to them on the air or whatever. I mean, that's not, the difference is the one you point out, right, mm-hmm. is that this went through a lot of other people. It wasn't just unfiltered, right? It was filtered and approved. And, you know, the use of vulgar language, 
right, is something that in cable is, is, is you know, a common acceptable practice in cable television. Right. I mean, if you look at the people she competes with, you know, John Oliver, you know, Bill Maher, you know, those people use what, you know, people in your and my childhood used to call dirty words. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you know, that's a threshold we've crossed. And I think it's I mean, it doesn't, it's all right. I mean, don't watch it. You know, if you don't like it. I mean, it's a most people aren't offended by that language most of the time. Um you know, it's interesting. Comedy, being a comic, which is basically what she is. I mean, what Roseanne is. You know, basically, there are people who you know play in the world of comedy. Part of the art of comedy, and it's hard. I mean, I've, I've just like I've played around with stand up. I've never really thought of myself as a stand up, but I've done it just kind of you know as a side thing, a fun thing. Um, a big part of that is playing around with the line, where the line is. You know that expression, like how far can you go? And and going a little further than that because there is a thrill as an audience member of the risk involved in that. Watching the performer, you know, walk that walk that line, stay on that tightrope, and not fall too far off the other side, and not you know be boring. But the risk is part of what's compelling about the performance. Um, but you know, it's also a dangerous act. You know, and there's a point at which you go too far, and it's. You know, it's one thing if you do it at the 11.30 show in a comedy club, and it's something else if you do it in cable TV, and it's even more dangerous if you do it on network TV. Pushing the envelope. It's part of a comic's job. Yeah, it's part of the, part of the job. It's part of the reason that person gets hired. You know, I've seen often, at least in the radio, right, where they'll hire somebody. We love you, man. You're outrageous. You're really, oh, you'll say it. You know, and then, then like three weeks later, you know, uh, that morning, you know, morning jock is, uh, you know, pulling a stunt. And the, you know, they're getting fired and suspended for it. Some of it's just, all, oh, you know, the, the whole thing is part of the act. You know, the suspension is part of the act. Um, but, yes, yes, it's uh, we like playing with fire, and we also sometimes get burned. And you're listening to 94 WIP Conversation. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Ellis Hennecan. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Pulitzer Prize winner, newspaper columnist, popular TV news pundit. Have we gotten too vulgar, Ellis, as a society? Um, you know, it's a very interesting question. So, so I grew up in New Orleans. I, let me give you this roundabout reaction to your question. I grew up in New Orleans, where I love and you know, uh, have family and spend still sort of spend some of my time. And I, and I, but I live in New York, and it amazes me myself. Like, New York is much more vulgar, and I, just the way people talk. I think it's true of Philly and Boston and, you know, places that are in this part of the world. Um, I notice when I'm in New Orleans, I don't think I'm that vulgar a person, but, I mean, I'm a little vulgar of a person, I guess. But it's funny, when I go to New Orleans, I feel like I'm wearing too much black. <laughs> I'm the guy who's like got on black jeans and a black T-shirt, right? And and I feel like I'm I'm saying the you know the bad, some bad words a, a lot more there. And I don't think I'm talking any different. I just think I'm in a different surrounding. So I yeah I guess I guess we are, but I don't know. It's just I you know it's 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 part of who we are. I, I guess this is what I would say about that kind of language. It can sometimes be 
be communicative and evocative. There, I, I, I would never say one should never say any of those words. I would also say that if you say them all the time, it's pretty much of a sign of lazy talking. And it, that's not the right word to use 99.9% of the time. So probably best is use it when it's the right word and don't use it when it's not. Hmm. But the standards we have for comedians, it seems to me, are very different than some of the standards we have for commentators and pundits. And you're a pundit yourself. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that on CNN at 8 o'clock at night. Because, I, I mean, for a lot of reasons. I mean, one is that I'd be fired, right? Right. And another is that it's not the standard of the venue, you know. But I might if it was the, like I say, if it was the 1230 show at the comic strip, I might. Well, but there are some people who say almost as bad, and not one of George Carlin's deadly words, but at the same time say some awful things about the president, some awful things about Ivanka and Jared, some awful things about the first lady. I mean, one of the shows I often watch, because I'm home during the day sometimes, is The View. And some of the stuff that comes out of Miss Goldberg and um, Joy Behar is pretty edgy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's certainly true that um, two things. That the culture over the last decades has coarsened in that way, and that Donald Trump as president has pushed it a whole lot further very, very quickly. Right. I mean, he behaves that way. And so people react to him and his administration and indeed his family in that way. And I mean, it's hard to feel sorry for him about it. Right. I mean, you know, the guy who's attacking Rosie O'Donnell is now being attacked by by uh, Ms. Goldberg, as you as you politely describe her. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to think they don't all deserve each other, isn't it? Yeah, but do we deserve them? That's a good question. We've got them. I mean, we deserve them. I mean, I wish we had a president who didn't behave like that, right? I wish we had a president who believed that that as president, when you say stuff, it ought to be factually true, who ought to be respectful to you know the institutions that hold our democracy together, that ought to not say horrible things about people that I admire. I, yeah, I wish all of that stuff. I don't like any of it. Um, and while the majority of Americans agree with me, you know, we have a political system that produced that as the result, and I recognize he's the president. I'm going to be for a while. This is true. All right, switching gears again. TV. We have the fall season. We have the winter season. We have the spring season, and now we have the summer season. I don't think we have seasons anymore. Don't shows just start kind of any old time they start? Well, but they seem to come in clusters. Okay. All right. And shows barely have a chance to get going before it's bye-bye. I mean, recently a number of shows were canceled after their first or second airing. How, yeah. you, how can a show get an air audience after two shows? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And it's and not just television. I mean, that is we talked at the beginning of our uh, of our conversation about that splintering of the media landscape, right? I, I mean, the good news is that there's a lot of stuff out there, but the bad news is one of the bad news is it's very difficult to get people to pay attention, right? Um, there's so much choice. The niches are so narrow. 
uh, attention spans are so short. Um, it's it's really hard, you know. It's really it is, and you, you'd feel. I mean, think about every one of these shows. Somebody's dream, right? I mean, people work so hard and you know struggle to get there. I, you know, it's uh, it's it, it is hard, and, and a lot of shows. I know you can point back in the history of television shows that you know became perennial huge successes that uh, initially. You know, it took it, it took a while. Mm-hmm. And then there's the reboot phenomena. I mean, it's getting kind of silly to see all these reboots coming back. You yeah, know? I would say this though. It is while while, while I, I agree with what you say, and sometimes some great stuff doesn't isn't given a chance. It is truly the golden age of television. There is amazing television going on right now, and. Like I'll give you an example. When when smart people used to get together, right? They go to dinner. They 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 be hang out with their friends. They talked about movies. I mean, you remember this? You'd be mm-hmm. People people would say, "Have you seen this movie?" And you know, maybe it was a it was a big movie, or maybe it was some little obscure artsy film, or. But, you know, if you were a culturally attuned person in this country and, and in other places as well, but I'm talking about America right now, you know, you were up on film, right? It was part of what part of what you talked about. And, and, and the most talented uh, people in our culture worked in that industry, you know, great, brilliant people. That's television today. I mean, when I go out to dinner with people, and I, since I live in New York, you know, I don't cook that much, so I'm always – that's what I do, right? That's where I waste all – spend all my money. I don't think it's a waste, but it's, but, but it's where my money goes. It's out to dinner. And um, people talk about TV. You know, that's the – you know, it's – and there's great actors are doing it and top directors, and there's some really, you know, extraordinary – some extraordinary stuff. I mean, and I, like, as a writer, I mean, I've got, you know, I'm, I've got TV ideas, you know, there's stuff I want to do on TV, and I, that's, that's new for me. Ten years ago, I wasn't thinking like that. But does it also represent a paucity of ideas? We can't think of anything new, so let's go old? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I'll push back with you on that. I think that the TV is different from this. You know, when I'm looking at the Brady Bunch, Green Acres, you know, there's, there's doing people are doing interesting stuff on television. Um, it's funny the part of television that I work in, which is you know cable news basically, hasn't changed that much lately. You know maybe it's time for a shakeup. And I say the same frankly about talk radio. I mean what you're doing is interesting because it's you know it's different. It's uh, you know you've got the time and the room and the space and you're willing to take on tough stuff but i mean you know most of the most of the talk radio landscape is following a model that's been you know it was basically you know more or less invented by by rush and you know people of that era Hmm. you know to me to me all that could use some rethinking and some smart person maybe maybe you or me somebody is gonna figure out you know some new ways to do it but but no I get hope, not depression, from looking at what's going on in entertainment TV. I think, I think people are doing some interesting stuff, and they're big challenges. You're right. Uh, hard to get people to pay attention. It's expensive. All that stuff. The, you don't get a long leash before that. You gotta, you gotta bring in numbers. Um, but I think it's, I think it's encouraging. 
And you've been listening to 94 WIP Conversation. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning has been Ellis Hennekan, best-selling author, Pulitzer Prize-winning newspaper columnist, and a popular TV news pundit. Look for him on a cable news channel near you, coming to you. Thank you, Ellis. Hey, fun being with you. Thanks, uh, thanks for having well. me. My pleasure as well. And you've been listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. And if your head hurts from all of the stuff that's going on, you need a vacation. And that's what we're going to talk about with my next guest in just a bit. Vacation, a time to recharge, regroup, rethink. All this and more coming up here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. It's Conversation. More in just a bit. And we're back. Feeling stressed, feeling depressed, feeling like you need a change? It's time for a vacation. And that's what we're going to help you think about here on 94 WIP Conversation. I'm pleased to welcome here for conversation Dr. John Huber. Dr. Huber's been a guest before. We talk about mental health and staying sane in what sometimes feels like a very insane world. Good morning, Dr. Huber. Good morning, Peter. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. How really important is vacation? Well, it, it really is important. It, it does a lot of things for us. It helps us recharge. It helps us remember why we go to work and do the nine to five. And uh, it, it allows us to connect with our family and friends that we haven't been able to do because we've been in that uh, uh, work mode. And by doing all that stuff, it lowers our blood pressure. It lowers our risk for certain types of stress-related uh, diseases and illnesses. And it's the one thing that we tend to not do in this country. Uh, up to 80% of us make excuses why we can't go take our vacations. Well, but for many people, the economy's an issue. Gasoline prices are climbing. Airline prices are climbing. Where do you go when there's too much month at the end of the money? <laughs> well, that that is very, very significant. But uh, doing simple things close to, to home, you don't have to go to the Bahamas every year. You don't have to go to, to, to Vegas, uh, which can be an actually a very thrifty place to go if you're into to casinos and shows. Uh, a lot of times there, there's a lot of deals you can get in, especially if you've been there before. But uh, we tend to think that we have to do something grand on our vacation, which that in itself can create a whole bunch more stress than not going on vacation. So it, it's a rock and a hard place sometimes. Now, I remember it was a while ago when my wife was pregnant with our children, and both of them were problem pregnancies with a lot of bed rest. And I went to work every day after setting her up for the day. And I needed a vacation, but the pregnancies were over the summer and we couldn't go anywhere. So I took half days off from work and went to the local art house movie theater. And that was my vacation that year. It was a change. It helped me recharge, helped me stay sane. Does that make sense? Oh, definitely. You know, and, and, I'm, a, I, you know, I own my own business, and you know, if I don't go to work, I don't get paid. There's no paid vacation for me, uh, so it's it's very difficult to feel like, oh, it's okay for me to go and take a week off. So I do lots of opportunities like three day and sometimes four day weekends, 
And, you know, my family that way feels like we're getting to take advantage of the fact that I am self-employed. You know, some of the pluses, I don't have to answer to anybody but me. At the same time, I'm getting that break. I'm getting that opportunity to spend time with my family and my friends. And it's so worthwhile. It really, really is. Okay. But you still have to answer to your creditors, to your partner, to your bills. Well, it's a lot easier for me to, for example, take a four-day weekend, take Friday and Monday off and uh, uh, deal with that than it is for me to take a full you know, seven days off where I've got five days that I don't have income coming in. In fact, uh, I wrote an article last fall and I got asked to present on it in Alaska this summer and they wanted me to spend four days of my work week at their conference and presenting three times, they felt like, hey, you know, we're, we're paying your way up there. Why well, why don't you want to come? And I go, because I have to shut my business down. I have employees that, you know, I have to be able to pay and things like that. And I cannot, you know, go on what my, my checkbook thinks is a vacation, regardless of whether they're paying for me to go or not. I don't have any income to replace that. And if I'm not there, my, my employees, you know, potentially uh, may not have a job to go back to. I know it's kind of scary to say that, but uh, the reality of it is I feel like I'm completely essential in my, my business as a psychologist. Uh, I have people who have lesser licensure, licensure than I do and less, less degrees than I do. So I am kind of the pivotal key person there. And if I'm not there, for example, we can't bill on certain insurance issues when my other employees are, are doing the work. So this idea that you're a key essential employee, I don't really believe anybody is not replaceable. We could hire somebody to, to come in and fill my shoes, but, uh, then, then I kind of give up part of my control. So we make choices. And if I work for a, a large corporation, the, the thought that if I go for a week, somebody might come in and take my job is pretty scary for a lot of people. You mentioned earlier the economy. And if I've got a decent job and I'm doing pretty well, sometimes it's really hard to step away so for some people, the idea of even taking a vacation can be stress. And your response to that, if I hear you correctly, is, well, then scale down your expectations a little bit. Don't take a week. Take three or four days. Exactly. And and don't be afraid to, to take that day off. You know, there there's, there's a lot of, you know, if you shop ahead, don't expect to have, you know, hey, I decided we're going to go on vacation this coming week and take a three-day vacation that I was talking about. If you plan, like in January, to do that, you know, once or twice during the summer, you can get really, really cheap airfares and leave when you want to leave because nobody's buying tickets that far out at that point, and you can get there and back. And it's kind of a frugal way to do it, And but it's it's amazing how beneficial that can be for your overall overall mental health. And that essentially will help your your physical health as well, especially 
if you have issues with family history of stroke or heart attack, taking that time is so essential. What do you think about the idea of just taking a couple take couple days off and staying in bed as a vacation? <laughs> well, you know, a lot of t- times people people need that, but you know, if you can do it and turn off your electronics, turn off your laptop, turn off your cell phone, otherwise it's too easy to get wrapped up in oh, well, you know, I'm watch- monitoring the emails and and there's a problem at work. I need to go and I need to go and fix that before we can, you know, have this nice little weekend. You know, and there's nothing wrong with camping. I mean, we have a couple of tents, and, you know, at least here in Texas in the summertime, we don't have to worry about rain so much. So, you know, going out and camping and getting away where your cell phone doesn't work uh, is is a blessing. Well, then there's the concept of the, stay, the staycation. You know, we all, a lot of us live in very rich cultural historical cities there's so much to see and do that we don't take advantage of what do you think of that idea? we don't take advantage yes i mean here in philadelphia we have a world-class art collection at the philadelphia museum of art i can't ask how i can't help but wonder how many people have never been inside the museum to see this rich beautiful stuff well, I made the mistake a long time ago living here in Austin, Texas, and being able to stop and and take the big cultural event we have here, which is our live music. And there was a there was a musician here, Steve Ray Vaughan, and I kept, oh well, he's here every other week, and so I would actually get you know free tickets and things like that to go see him play. I'm like, oh, you know, something else, let's go do this instead. And uh, I missed an opportunity because you know I got up one morning and having lunch and across the, the TV screen at the restaurant I was at, you know, Steve Ray had just died. So it, it's important to take advantage of our local, local attractions. And since then, my wife and I, we've spent a lot of time trying to catch all those attractions that whenever people come visit us, they're going to go do but we never do because we live here and we, we kind of ignore them. Oh, there's plenty of time for that. Well, there's only time for it if you make time for it. And so that's what we decided to do. So you have to make vacation a priority equal to your other priorities. Exactly. And, you know, it's an investment in you. It's an investment in your long-term health. You know, a lot of us work, 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 and, and we say we're working for retirement. But if you work so much, you don't take care of yourself. When retirement comes, you end up spending most of it being sick or, you know, in, in facilities to make you better, like hospitals and rehab centers and things like that. And uh, it's a, a lesson we all should learn to stay healthy, and we are important. What do you see as some of the other advantages of a vacation? Well, you know, again, the, the, the mental health release that you have, that daily stress that we don't realize is so taxing on us. A lot of people, you know, they're so involved with media. If you're able to take a week off, that social media, that 24 hours a day of news, it creates significant levels of depression, and your body releases all these cortical steroids. And uh, taking that week off, it's amazing how 
getting out of that electronic loop can actually refresh you and uh, you, you put the world in a different perspective. And that perspective is so significant. And it's amazing how many people go on vacation and all of a sudden they start exercising regularly after that. And uh, it just needs that kickstart you get from that, that activity. Again, though, the money can be a stressor. The running around here, there, and everywhere can be a stressor, can it? Oh, it can be, but, you know, nothing is stress-free in this world. And even, for example, we talk about, about playing sports and, and, you know, how that helps us deal with so many things. But the reality of it is we have stress related to sports, and that usually is the type of stress that allows us to be ready to go when the ball snaps or when, when the trigger's pulled. You know, you're able to, to get out of the starting gate. And that kind of stress is actually has a name. It's called eustress. And it actually is very beneficial. It helps us prepare for our day and for our world so we don't get overwhelmed. So uh, sometimes a little bit of stress in the right direction away from our normal everyday chronic stress that we face can actually be beneficial for us. Travel can have a lot of hassles, though. Two hours on the tarmac if you're taking a plane. They've lost my luggage. The hotel room can't find my registration. How do you cope with those? How do you recommend coping with those kinds of stresses? Well, you know, that, that comes down to, to you know, I, I'm getting ready to be in New York City this week. So what have I did? On Friday, I confirmed with the hotel that they've got everything. Of course, that takes time out of my regular job and work. And, of course, you know, we're, we're already stressing out over the flight and everything else. So, um, you know, Management is good. One of the things we're doing is our carry-on baggage. We, we have uh, a two days' worth of clothes that we can change into. So if our, our uh, check-in baggage doesn't make it, we've got something. So it's a little bit of planning, a little bit of forethought, and uh, I think most of us can, can handle that. And, you know, it never fails that we get that baby infant that sits right in front of us. Or um, in my case, you know, I sit down and travel and people sit down and you're cordial on a plane and ask me what I do. And, you know, when I say psychologist, I I know I'm going to get, you know, three and a half hours of this is what's going on with my cousin and my my child and and like that. But uh, I used to actually tell people I was a shoe salesman (laughs) and I would get get a, you know, nice three-hour nap. And then one day I actually ended up with, uh, with a model sitting next to me. When I said I was a shoe salesman, I got three and a half hours of all the different types of shoes that she just wore during the shoot she had that week. Mm. Uh, so I, I give up on that. I'm, I'm always a psychologist now. I sit on the plane. You ask me what I'm doing. I'm a psychologist. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Dr. John Huber, Huber, Chairman of Mainstream Mental Health, a nonprofit organization which brings lasting and positive change to the lives of individuals. We're talking about the need to take a vacation, why it is so important for your mental and your physical health as well. My name's Peter Solomon. Okay, Dr. Huber, um, how do you choose where to go, though? I mean, that often... Well, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. That well, was- you know, that that's part of the stress that's associated with all of this. You know, if you know you don't have a lot of money, those staycations can be so enriching and so beneficial. Um, if you plan, say, a year or 18 months in advance, you can also go through a traditional travel agency and actually put installments in, and it's not such a break-the-bank kind of an event. And uh, we, we have some good friends of ours who actually, in two weeks, they're taking off for a cruise to Alaska. And, of course, you know, that's a big chunk of time. They're going to be gone three weeks. Uh, that that's, that's an amount of time I don't have in my professional uh, life. But, uh, it, it, you know, I'm envious. I would love to be able to just break away for one three-week chunk. And we talked about it before. Do those three- and four-day weekends and create them when the rest of the world isn't necessarily having a three- or four-day weekend. And uh, you'll find out that you have a lot of, of advantages. Uh, the, the trips aren't as expensive. A lot of the amusement parks and things like that are not nearly as full as the traditional three- and four-day weekends, you know, Memorial Day, Fourth uh, of July, Labor Day. Those types of weekends are really bad for that quick, lowered stress level of staycation or, or, or even vacation. So uh, plan ahead. Don't have huge expectations that that you're not going to have any stress. Go with the flow. Put your cameras down. Put your cell phones down. Enjoy the moment. And, you know, there's going to be enough memories there to last a lifetime. In fact, the research shows with kids, uh, they, they care more about the memories as adults of going on these vacations than they ever cared about, you know, if they had the best clothes and things like that when they were kids, once they're an adult. Hmm. Then there are those people who worry about what's going to happen while you're on vacation, whether it's your airplane having a problem with a terrorist, whether you're on a cruise ship and the cruise ship hits a storm or maybe has plumbing problems or norovirus, um, you're going to New York. All kinds of stuff can happen to you in New York if you're not careful. How do you deal with those stressors? Well, you know, you put things in perspective. And the perspective is that you're more likely to be bitten by a shark twice than you are to be involved in a mass shooting, whether it's a terrorist or a school shooting or something like that. Um, you, you have to be alert in these days. You have to be a little bit vigilant, pay attention to the people around you, but don't allow fear to to drive your life. Uh, you know, take take some control. Don't do stupid things. Don't you know when you go grocery shopping at night, park under a, a parking light. Don't park in the darkest part of the parking lot. Um, you know. Uh, when I first went to New York, you know, it, it was in the 80s and everything was, you know, you're going to get in trouble if you're not careful on the subway. And now the subway is probably one of the safest ways to, to travel in the city. And uh, you just have to, you know, don't intentionally make yourself a target. You get off the plane in New York City and if all you do is stare straight up, you're making yourself a target. So uh, be smart about it. Any other thoughts about vacation, Dr. Huber? You know, 
the, the, the things I remember growing up, and I've had this conversation with my parents multiple times, the amazing vacations that I tell my kids about, you know, and we go back and we sit down with, with their, my kids' grandparents, my parents, and we talk about this amazing vacation, and my parents sit back and they remember how bad the travel was and how much we fought, my siblings and I. But our perspective is, it was an amazing trip. We, we went snow skiing. We did all these amazing things. And what you have to remember as an adult, your kids will block out most of the bad stuff that happens on the trip. So taking the time, no matter how much of a hassle it is, it is going to be part of your kid's memory and their, and their psyche the rest of their life. But that brand new Xbox or PlayStation there, it, it's not going to be part of that, you know, so spend your money wisely and remember vacations are so important for family cohesiveness and friendship that it's worth it. I certainly agree with you, Dr. John Huber. Um, I remember so many of the vacations we took as a family when I was a child and my wife still remembers going to Europe with her parents when she was eight years old and she can almost remember what she ate and where they stayed, let alone what they did. Wow. Wow. That's amazing, and it's a beautiful thing, and life is way too short to, to stay trapped in a 9-to-5 position throughout your whole life, even your vacation. So remember to smile, find things to laugh about, and don't forget to take those vacations. Your kids will thank you for it when they're adults. Absolutely, and I'd like to say thank you to John Huber, Always a good guest. Today's been no exception. Chairman of Mainstream Mental Health, reminding us why it's important. Take time for yourself. Take time for your family to take a vacation. Thank you, Dr. Huber. Thank you, Peter. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you. You too. And you've been listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. We'll be back after these messages. <laughs> 